All right, Tyler, our next story this morning is taking a turn to the energy industry. So this might be uh, exciting news or surprising news, but solar energy right now is on track to be the most generative energy source for new electricity in 2021. So this is some reporting out of Electric. Uh, the U.S. Energy Information Administration announced that utility-scale solar is setting records in 2021 by giving the U.S. grid 15.4 gigawatts of new solar capacity. In 2020, solar expanded almost 12 gigawatts, and nearly half of those additions were only in the last two months of 2020, uh, which means that we are ramping up solar production. If these predictions hold, solar will be adding the most new energy, again, new being the keyword here, to the grid. Uh, 39% of total new U.S. electricity uh, and generating capacity, to be exact, will be solar. The rest of the lineup is 31% for wind, 16% for natural gas, 11% for battery storage, and 3% for nuclear. Uh, And Texas is actually set to be the home of the U.S.'s most expansive solar farm, the Samson Solar Energy Center, which, uh, you know, yeehaw, that's exciting for Texans. So uh, really interesting here that we're seeing solar uh, win out and be the most uh, generative energy source for new electricity. Here's what CNBC reporter Pippa Stevens broke down about some of the key factors driving the growth of clean energy. I thought this was some interesting context to set up why we're even talking about this. Then I want to add a bit of a global perspective and we'll get to our quick takes. Those numbers really are eye-popping, and there are four key factors really driving the surge in clean energy. The first is just economics. We've seen the cost of solar decline more than 70% over the last decade, meaning that it's now competitive, if not cheaper, than natural gas or or coal power in many places. So while the industry might have once been driven by eco-conscious consumers, it's now really being driven by economics. Uh, ESG investing also playing a role here. We've seen enormous momentum behind the ESG strategy this year. We've seen that it's not just a bull market phenomenon. Investors really are prioritizing companies that factor in environmental, social, and governance factors. As you mentioned, Joe Biden certainly a key driver here. These stocks have done very well under the Trump administration. But there's a lot of optimism looking forward about what President-elect Joe Biden will mean for the industry. Of course, he's made climate change one of his priorities, called it one of four day one initiatives. So there is certainly a lot of optimism about what he will mean for greater adoption of renewable energy. And then finally, just climate change. We've seen that our grid is no match for wildfires, no match for hurricanes and flooding. So people are turning towards renewable energy for more grid resiliency. So I want to add a little more global context before we get to our quick takes, Tyler. But solar isn't just expanding in the U.S. either. It's actually becoming a major source for capital investment across the globe. So here's some reporting out of Bloomberg. Morgan Stanley Investment Management and the Investment Fund for Developing Countries gave $38 million recently to Nigerian solar energy provider Daystar Power to expand their solar farms. And the goal, at least the one presented by the company's CEO, Jasper Graf von Hardenberg, great name, by the way, uh, the goal is to replace Nigeria's, quote, unreliable grid and, quote, too expensive polluting diesel generators. And the expansion uh, is set to be about 100 megawatts worth of solar energy with goals for Daystar to expand solar to other African markets as well, like Ghana, the Ivory Coast. Senegal, and Togo. Uh, So with all that in mind, Tyler, 
any takes here on solar's energy expansion, things that you're optimistic about, uh, you know, that are raising your eyebrows? What do you think? Yeah, I think that uh, after listening to those clips and, and hearing a little bit more context, I'm changing my my quick take a little bit, but um, <laughs> b- because in in the consumer world, if you just install solar panels on your roof, one of the things I've learned is that that energy just becomes part of the grid and doesn't make you less dependent on the energy grid in general. Uh, you have to have some kind of home battery storage, some way to store solar in order to yeah, utilize it as a backup and kind of take you off of the unreliability of the grid. So when we talk about that, there's uh, there's still uh, some development and some things that need to go into having a more smart home and more energy efficient uh, life just from a consumer level. On, on the um, on, on kind of the larger scale, I, I do think that it's interesting talking about the impact of a new um, a new presidential uh, administration coming in here in the United States and the uh, the momentum that that can provide, especially one that is a little bit more focused on the environment and on um, doing things to, to curb uh, our dependence on fossil fuels and, and things along those lines. So I'm encouraged in that way. And the, the, the reduction in cost of producing solar, I think, is also a big thing to note. And, and you have companies uh, like, uh, like a company that we work with here at MarketScale, uh, Array Technologies, that is maximizing everything that you can get out of uh, large PV scale um, uh, solar power plants. And so I, I think that there is a lot of positive momentum in this realm, and I'm excited to see how it builds forward in 2021. Yeah, I'm glad you bring up uh, energy capacity. I think that's going to be a major part of any sort of future renewable energy development uh, is battery storage infrastructure. And, um, you know, I I think if that isn't factored into the growth, then we could see some, you know, bullish investments that aren't uh, realized quite to the uh, excitement and uh, chagrin of said investors. But here's my quick take. I think that this is both exciting to see the expanse of clean energy. But then when I add that global perspective, um, you know, I, I always like to give sort of a broader intersection take here. You've come to be familiar with it, Tyler. But, uh, you know, I think the continued sort of Western nation uh, capital influence over developing nations is not super uh, exciting. In fact, I think it's a bit troubling for the future of those developing nations that are going to be hit hardest by climate change and that I think most desperately need to gain some energy independence. So to keep it U.S. first for a second, I think uh, if we look at the expansion of solar energy in the U.S., um, it's obviously going to require large-scale deployments. And so where my head goes is that this is going to take a lot of buy-in from taxpayers, from businesses, from real estate interests, from uh, energy companies, et cetera. We've seen states like California, for example, offer um, incentives for homeowners and for businesses to install solar panels. uh, And like um, the uh, uh, CNBC reporter Pippa Stevens mentioned, the economic incentives to go renewable, to go solar, are becoming more realistic for these major energy companies. So I think that as long as renewables look profitable, or at least look like a bullish investment, uh, and as long as energy players that currently dominate the market see solar as a worthy investment, then we're going to see more solar. I think that's really the key factor. As much as I would hope that um, you know climate change and sort of the broader existential goals for uh, you know curbing our 
carbon impact on the world would be the main motivators. I feel like it's the economics that are really driving this more than anything. Now, to flip it back to global, my take on this is, uh, you know, I, I, again, think it's a bit troubling to see that kind of uh, dependence being built for developing nations. So here's a direct quote uh, from the Electrek story that informed a lot of this. But um, here, I'll just read it verbatim. Quote, Private sector players dominate solar hybrid development in most parts of West Africa with financial backing from development finance institutions, Bloomberg NEF said in a July 2020 report. Nigeria, seen as the largest potential market for mini-grid in West Africa, has received at least $374 million in the past 10 years from international donors for mini-grid development, end quote. So I think it's significant that as we transition to renewables globally, and this becomes a global push, that private capital is the force that gets to set the tone and dictate how and when these countries get access to solar energy. And I think we need to be asking ourselves, what sort of dependent relationships will this create in a new energy economy? When we look at even what uh, you know, uh, self-branded progressive um Politicians like Elizabeth Warren fought for a lot during the Democratic primary in 2020. Their whole pitch for uh, clean energy was set on the U.S. can lead in creating this technology and pushing it out at a global scale and in, uh, you know, drawing business and jobs and everything back to the U.S., which sounds great to the U.S., but what does that mean for all the other nations that will become dependent on our energy output, right? So if these nations that are definitely going to be hit the hardest by the impacts of climate change, both because of their economic status and uh, just their geographic status, uh, you know, what does it mean that private capital is setting the stage for how they get access to this technology? I think that's very important to keep in mind. And also, uh, you know, to my earlier point that as long as energy companies see solar as a worthy investment, then we're going to see more solar deployment. Uh, I don't think that is also a complete motivator for just complete renewable energy transition. Because if we look at uh, how our main polluters have been polluting over the last several years. Here's a direct quote uh, from uh, earthworks.org. They did a um, study on air pollution from the oil and gas industry, and this was back in 2015. So it's a little dated now, but uh, the trends stand. Quote, According to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, methane is 86 times more potent as a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide over 20 years. The EPA predicts that oil and gas industry methane pollution will increase 25% over the next decade, end quote. So uh, this tracks with what we've seen from oil and gas companies is that the production is not slowing down. In fact, in many ways, it's increasing, which means pollution is increasing. So even if we are uh, you know, pushing into solar or we're seeing major energy players invest in solar, that doesn't necessarily mean that we are transitioning away from fossil fuels. If anything, it means they're diversifying their portfolio. So I think we need to continue to see are uh, you know oil and gas companies going to step away from their fossil fuel investments? Do they have incentives to do so? And if they don't, what are going to be the broader consequences? I think those are all the main important questions that we need to be keeping in mind as solar continues to increase. 